It's time now for Acme Radio Gear Gap, featuring your favorite musicians talking about the music gear they use on tour and in the studio. Brought to you in part by IK Multimedia, musicians first. Now here's your host, Eric Dahl. Acme Radio Gear Gab, we have a special guest. Uh, it is Rory Block. <laughs> five-time, that is, five-time winner of the uh, WC Handy Blues Award. And you've won so many other great awards, too, Rory. And uh, it's so nice to have you on the show here in Nashville. Well, it's a pleasure to be here, and I really appreciate it. You know, uh, we were talking earlier um, off-air about, you know, how you are with your mentor series. You're really doing a great job of showcasing a lot of the musicians that you met uh, mm-hmm. in your teenage days it's been a mission of mine i think from the beginning to mention the original players and to bring you know shine light on who they were right and what they did because if we don't do that then we might begin to forget you know and mm-hmm. I, I don't want that to happen because a lot of the music that we have today is evolved from those very artists right it, you know it, it Sunhouse to Elmore James to Electric Muse, you know, it, it just is yeah. a straight out evolution. And if we forget the roots, that wouldn't be, you know, that that I've always wanted to educate in my own way, right? Naming the original artists, the songs, because otherwise we could forget. I agree with you. Well, you know, it's so interesting too. Reading, you know, reading over your history of things to where you know you started playing guitar at like fourteen years old. A little younger, even. A little younger? Yeah, yeah. And and uh, mm-hmm. and you had a, a unique guitar to sort of start out with. The, the Galliano. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, and a lot of money was spent on that from the yard sale. <laughs> a lot of money. <laughs> you happen to know, you happen to know somehow or some way that, that somebody procured it for $4. The $4 yeah, investment, yeah. Yeah. which And they handed incredible. it to me, and I loved it dearly. Right. And I started playing folk music. I started playing when I was around 10. And uh, I, I played folk music and flat picking and country music up until I was about 14. And then I heard blues and ah, then I switched over to blues. That was the changeover. Now, yeah. also, let's talk a little bit, you know, uh, y- your family, obviously your father was musical as well mm-hmm. and, and played violin right? and then uh, eventually moved on to more fiddle type music. What mm-hmm. was, uh, you know, a farmer, I guess, introduced him to <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to tell that. Yeah, one day, see, my dad was was not, not wedded to the truth. He was a... <laughs> He was a guy who would just say whatever. And it was art. There, there was an art to it. Right. You know, he, he didn't mean any harm. He just yeah. spun stories. And we loved it. You know, we thought everything he said was true. And then we realized that the last story was complete contradiction to the <laughs> next story. And then we really realized that something had to be, something had to be made up somewhere. But, but we were happy. Mm-hmm. But he came home one day and he said, uh, he, he said, let me show you what I, what I, what I found. And he, he opens up the fiddle case and he said, I'm going to be playing fiddle from now on, you know. And he said, I was talking to an old farmer that I met in the street, and he said, showed us this three ears of corn inside a (laughs) roll of newspaper. He said, I bought this from this farmer in the street. He brought it into the city. This is grown by him. Right. You know, and he said, and from here on out, I'm going to be playing fiddle. And it sounds like this, not that I hadn't heard music before. But he really did from that point on play only fiddle. Well, now also tell us a little bit about you know he was uh, he was managing a sandal shop right. uh, there in Greenwich Village, and so what about these jam sessions? It, it, you know that that evolved. Well, let me back up and say that when we first when I was born, it was New Jersey. I was born in in Princeton, New Jersey, in mm-hmm. a hospital, and then I grew up on a mountainside. My parents were like the first hippies invented. Honestly, wow, there they were. You know back to the soil mm-hmm. in a place that had an outhouse and a pump well out front and that's how 
I spent the first, and they were boiling the diapers on the stove. And that was the first year of my life. Wow. And then we moved into uh, Sullivan Street in New York City, which was an Italian neighborhood. It was a fantastic neighborhood, all this gorgeous food and amazing people. And um, then we moved to, uh, and, and in that period of time, he opened up a sandal shop on McDougal Street, the ah, famous McDougal right, Street. Right, right. But early on, we're talking about, you know, 1950. Okay. And he used to take his leather and put it on the sidewalk because the store was so tiny that he couldn't do his work in there. He just had to, like, display things in a window wow. shelf. And so he, he, there's photographs that I have of him, beautiful old photographs, cutting out his sandal leather on the sidewalk. Amazing. And after a couple of years of that, he moved to his more well-known location on West 4th Street between... You know, that, that's positively West 4th Street that Bob Dylan wrote about. It's like, right. that's where he was talking about because Bob Dylan lived right on that very same street, two doors away. Wow. Yeah. So, um, you know, that's basically where where the music and where, where the, that was like the hub. Yeah, like the epicenter of Yeah, everything. that was the epicenter. That's a good word. And people started gathering. My dad would put his, his work down, he'd pull out his fiddle during the day. You know, any yeah. old time he felt like taking a break. It was a beautiful thing. And he would start playing fiddle. Wow. And people would begin to hear it from the street, and they would come in, they're curious. And so it started turning into this Saturday afternoon. People would bring their instruments, they said. They knew this guy was playing his music. And we started getting people like, uh, you know, uh, the people who played the deliverance, uh, Eric Weisberg and Steve Mandel. Yeah. Um, uh, Roger Sprung. That's, that's where we met... Um, uh, oh my gosh! I was saying all these names earlier today. Yeah, <laughs> when we were doing, when we were chatting, great country musicians, people of true merit, you right. know, people of great artistic, uh, you know, merit would would come in and just play music and just jam, and it How would amazing. get better and better and better. And it was like I was in the middle of it, sitting there with a the guitar and my flat pick, trying to keep up, and I I was like picking up on the energy right. of it. It was it was fantastic. Yeah, and, and the New Lost City Ramblers and John Harold and, oh my and John Sebastian. That's where I met him. He came right. in and Maria Maldor lived up the street. She came in for sandals. And, that's amazing. And it was just, and she told me recently that my dad was the inspiration for her to play fiddle. Is that amazing? And, and she came in and she made a swap with him for a pair of sandals because she was a young girl that couldn't afford the, you know, the twenty dollars or whatever right. they were, and um, so my dad. Gave her a lesson, and she somehow they did some kind of a swap. Anyway, it was uh, those were the beautiful days. Those yeah. were the days when incredible. Uh, everybody, Faye Dunaway came in to get sandals, and you know everybody who walked in was just somebody amazing. Wow. Yeah. And and you were just in the mix of it all. You know, I want you to also. I was reading about. Uh, tell us about the the Sun House story when you played for Sun. Sun House was rediscovered. He had moved to Rochester from, you know, the, from the South, right. where he had spent his earlier years, and he hadn't been playing. But then he was rediscovered, and he came into New York, and uh, we saw him. You know, we were, Stefan Grossman, my guitar-playing friend, and mm-hmm. I, uh, he knew everybody. So I, every time someone was rediscovered, he would take me to wherever they were. Wow. And it was like, you know, okay, uh, Mississippi John Hurt's been rediscovered. He's playing at a theater in Long Island. Let's go. <laughs> And we'd go down, we'd walk in the backstage because he knew everybody. Right. So he had this permanent backstage pass. So then Sun House showed up, and I, I can't remember where I first met him, but he eventually came over to Stefan's parents' house on uh, East 20th Street, I think it was, in Manhattan. And Sun and I just sat there together. There were other people in the room. Dick Waterman was there for a while, Stefan. Yeah. 
And then they left the room, and it was like sitting with this guy that to me was a blues god. Oh, my gosh. And there I was so like true. 14, maybe 15. Mm-hmm. And I was like in awe of this man. He was yeah. beautiful. He was, And I thought, this, this is and, the and man the who... And the teacher of Robert Johnson. Yeah, yeah. So we began talking about... I played Willie Brown. I played Robert Johnson. And he said, where did she learn to play like this? Where did she learn to play? I can imagine <laughs> there could have been that kind of a response. Like, right. where, where, you know, this is the music I played in 1920, 1930, mm-hmm. 1940. And then this is 1960 and up north. And there's right. a, a young girl playing this music. How did this happen? You know, but he knew that I, that it was an honor to him. Mm-hmm. You know, that he knew, he could tell I loved his music. Oh, totally. And so I said, uh, asked him about Robert Johnson, and he said, well, I, you know, I taught Robert Johnson how to play guitar. And that wasn't something that he was saying to, to be boastful, because only a handful of people had heard Robert mm-hmm. Johnson up north in 1964. Right. Yeah, it wasn't common knowledge. No, it then. wasn't common knowledge. It was like a handful of people knew about him, and that would be John Hammond, who was already working hard on playing Robert Johnson's music, mm-hmm. and... Um, you know, I mean, just just a handful of people, I think, really. Probably Eric Clapton was definitely was working on Robert Johnson music in 1964. Mm-hmm. You know, and I had been listening and loving it. I knew the moment I heard Robert Johnson, I said, "This is the top of the mountain." Oh my gosh! This is the you know, this is the genius mm-hmm. of blues. I totally agree with you. Yeah, yeah. I, I have the box set, mm. and it's just uh, it it still holds up. His music mm-hmm. still holds up for everybody. Yeah, it, it cut yeah. a new path. Well, yes, now you, you mentioned 1964, and uh, while we're on that, I mean that's that's kind of the point to where you sort of hit the road. Yes, I <laughs> yeah I wrote in my book. You you mentioned the book right. earlier. In my book, I talk about I I did run away from home, and I don't recommend it to anybody. But it's what happened to me. Right. It's well, what because of the the broken family situation. That's and, right. And there was kind know. of like no place for me to nest. You right. Know, the, the nest wasn't. There was no place. But at least you had a good friend to travel with that you could trust with. with the, yeah. You know. I mean, Stefan Grossman was four years older than me. I was 14. He was 18 mm-hmm. when we met. And like in that t- day and time, 18 felt like 30 to me. It sure. was like I was looking up to an older person who mm-hmm. was responsible. And he was very responsible. He wasn't a crazy guy. He was very kind. He was very responsible. And uh, I feel almost like he, he adopted me. His right. family adopted me. His parents were wonderful. Well, and obviously, as you guys were traveling across the country, playing music, hitting pawn shops and buying old Martins cheaply. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, was, he had an eye. He knew what he was doing. He was just fantastic. You know, I, when I read that, yeah. I'm like, oh, I'd like to see some of those guitars you guys found on the road. Yeah, it was. I had nothing to do with it. I just stood there, and he would go in, and he would talk to, he would ask, you got any old guitars? Yeah. And he knew he was looking for Martins. Right. Okay, I mean, whether he had a crystal ball, I don't know what. But, I mean, he knew they were the best guitars ever made in the universe. That's how I feel yeah. about it. And they would come out with these guitars that needed a little neck reset, you know, maybe had a little dust on them. Mm-hmm. And they didn't see the value in them. So he'd buy them for, like, they would say, what do you, say, what do you want for that old guitar? And he would stress the word right, old because right. that old was bad, you see. Yeah, oh, at that time, like, totally. It wasn't but collector's items or anything. You didn't have the vintage market or anything. No, then. you didn't. And they would say, "Well, fifty bucks." And he would say, forty bucks." You know, and he would. That is so much fun. Talk him but down. that's fun. Yeah. You know, you mentioned your book too. I just want to go back to that to where it did come out uh, in 2010, and it's uh, called "When a Woman Gets the Blues," mm-hmm. and uh, it's been very well received. Uh, you know, yeah. a lot of people just raved about it, including your friend Bonnie Raitt, mm-hmm. who uh, you know quotes you as an inspiration. And and you guys were that's recently on a on a um, 
on a concert together. She was and, coming through Albany in the beginning of her now, you know, it's it's like basically two years on the road. She's really she was off the road for a while. Right. I read in Guitar Player magazine, I read her interview. Uh, and then she I guess she was was ready to get yeah. back on the road because I know how that goes. <laughs> so she called me up and said or emailed me and said that she was coming through town and invited me to the Albany show because that's right near where I live in upstate New York. Uh-huh. And I came down. She said, well, you know, because we, we sit in together when it, when I'm when we're in the same place. Right. Last time we were in the same place, it was in a venue in Holland. And we also played a song together. Wow. So she said, I probably won't won't call you up because we're still fleshing out. You know, it was the second show right. of this long tour. But, you know, you would have no clue because they were so tight. Oh, they yeah. They were so right, so tight, so fantastic. When I saw her at the Ryman here, it was just mm. ridiculous. And and her singing is more beautiful and has greater oh, depth than deeper. ever. It was like I was weeping. Uh, I was standing on the side of the stage. And, you know, and all of a sudden, at, at, for her encore, the road manager said, you're on. So I wasn't <laughs> expecting that. So I went running up and I said, you know, I said, Let, she said, what should we do? And I said, uh for, for old time's sake, let's do Big Road Blues by Tommy Johnson, because that's right. what we did in Holland. Yeah. And I think we did it somewhere else as well. I can't, <laughs> now I can't remember. But uh, so that was great. It was just the two of us, and somebody, nobody was supposed to be filming it, no doubt, mm-hmm. but somebody was, you, you got to expect that there's people with cell phones. In this day and age. The, right. Yeah. Sometimes I jokingly say, remember the days when the road manager would tackle you and rip the film out of your <laughs> exactly. camera and Put slam and you get thrown out of the venue. Yeah. Now it's like, cameras in your face and you know it's, and it's a lot easier to hide them compared to like an eight track you know you can't hide that oh, yeah, you know? right. so this is just the way it goes this is this is this is All today right. that's okay so somebody filmed it way from the back of the mm-hmm. room and then they emailed it to me and i emailed it to them yeah and because everything i do i don't want it ever no. you know and, and it already has like over eight thousand views so i sent it to them and they looked it over and they they Gave me permission, and right. you know, so I, I to post it where we yeah. posted it. So there Taking you go. Taking the high road. It's a lot of fun. No, I think it's incredible, yeah. and, and you know, and and you and Bonnie, you know, it, once again, you know, like you and I were talking earlier, mm-hmm. it's it's not, you know, a lot of people say, oh, well, female blues musicians or female musicians, and like you and I were talking about, Roy, it's it's more about just a musician. Mm-hmm. You know, you're yeah. you just happen to be female, and mm-hmm. and luckily for us, you know, you're keeping uh, a music alive that some people may forget otherwise i feel like bonnie and i are really on the same page in, mm-hmm. that, in that regard you know she always uplifts the original artists and totally. she always honors them and uh, i i feel like we just happen to be in a complete uh agreement about that even though we never had this conversation like is that what you're going to do okay that you know yeah. we didn't ever do that make any plan she's always done that and i've always done that probably for the same reason out of deep mm-hmm. love and respect for what those artists went through. They struggled in obscurity. Right. They never thought, like, there were no viral videos. No, no, There was no. no internet. No. And there was little or no chance in their own minds that they would ever be later rediscovered, oh, later totally. honored. You know, it was kind of like A lot of them were playing the, uh, playing the Chitlin circuit. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, were, and you were struggling in obscurity, playing this earth-shattering music. Oh, my gosh, yes. And probably living through extreme hardship at right. the same time. And, um, you know, those were the terrible days. So... We need to honor them, and we need mm-hmm. to never forget. I agree. What what they what they contributed to the the music in this country. Mm-hmm. You can't even put a, a value on it. Well, and I think a lot of people don't even realize that that you know that is 
those are the roots. You know, yes. whatever you're hearing today musically, that's yeah. that was the derivative. Yeah, you and, wouldn't and you wouldn't have the fact, British invasion. You wouldn't have you know all these different forms of music without that. And it's not that different when no. it comes right down to it. Nobody, it's like a feng shui. Nobody has improved on the twelve bar, right? Or Sixteen bar, right? It's the same template, like um, "Rambling on My Mind" by Robert that Robert Johnson did. Mm-hmm. It sounds like today's modern blues, right? Just without the band. Well, and look how many people have cut crossroads. Mm-hmm. How many musicians, bands, everybody, right. and it's like, and you still, when you go back to the original, it's like, okay, you can tell what it is, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And you and Bonnie, I think it's so great too on it, Roy, to where you approach it from different angles. Obviously, you know, you both play slide, but you know, Bonnie is pretty much predominantly electric, and you mm-hmm. are obviously strong acoustic. Right. You it's know? like it's like reflections. Mm-hmm. It really reflections. is. It, you have your own approach. Yeah. Now, speaking of which, I want to touch on your new album. Uh, that is uh, just out this week, and it's called Keeping Out of Trouble. And I've really enjoyed listening to this, uh, you. you know, in my car mm-hmm. and everything, all the great music, and the album looks incredible. And I, I think it's so nice that you did this, you know, as a tribute to mm-hmm. uh, to Bucka White. Mm-hmm. And uh, tell me a little bit about the percussion instruments that were used <laughs> on this, because I understand that no, no expense was spared. <laughs> <laughs> well... Actually, it was done for free, as it were. <laughs> as expensive as it sounds, I grant you it sounds expensive. The blues Just aren't kidding. cheap. <laughs> no. What it was is, you know, the, the early players had tremendous percussion in their playing. And Booker White really slammed his hand. And somehow he snapped the strings like he was trying to break them. Willie right. Brown, you know, it, it like people actually get afraid sometimes if they're sitting too close. And I play like Willie Brown and they're mm-hmm. like, like, lean back like, oh, something's going to, you're going to break a string. Right. You know, so um, I decided that I wanted some percussion because a lot of times the hand was used for percussion. Certainly. In the early playing. And when you listen to Robert Johnson, don't you hear thumping and slamming and you hear clacking the left hand and the right hand. Mm -hmm. It's an extremely percussive style. So with Book of White, I thought there were a couple of songs where he had washboard players on them. So we looked for a washboard in the barn and we found one, but it was glass. Ah. It was an antique washboard, but if you played full out on it you might break it so we first we went for the actual accurate percussion instrument Mm -hmm. and then after that i said you know what i'm going to go see what we have around the house (laughs) so i went and i found an i had done that before where i used an oatmeal box and a wooden spoon so i got the oatmeal box and i got the wooden spoon and i tried that but i wanted something i wanted variety so i pulled out an old plastic storage tub like the big ones from the home home stores and I got some, a couple of, you know, I was racing through all the drawers. Like, I wonder if these, what would this sound like? What would that sound like? So I pulled out these plastic salad server spoons, you know, the one with the claws on right. the end. Those are always the best tonality I've The heard. back of them <laughs> are really work nicely. And the side of a, an old plastic tub is a totally different tone than the top. Now, what were the, the drumsticks same. you were using also? Well, no, it was just wooden spoons. Just the wooden spoons. Yeah, just wooden. Yeah. Or, or did I? Did I have chopsticks? I don't know what I had. <laughs> I tried a little everything, and then I did the guitar bong. Now, is there a particular kind of cereal that works best for percussion? I would have to say it would be oatmeal. It would be the oatmeal. I would have to See, say uh, that. Okay. Yeah. I'm just saying because people want to get – it was so funny because I was telling Rob, you know, uh, you know, your your uh, mixer and, and, you know, bodyguard and everything. Yeah, yeah. And I mentioned to Rob, it's like I was driving around in my car, and I'm trying to figure out what is that percussion I know, sound. it sounded so – much like re- it real sounded drums. great, it's, but it yeah. sounded to me like the Roots Blues. It sounded mm-hmm. like when I listened to 
the original blues records and, and music and everything. It sounded like that, and I, I couldn't figure it out. Well, first, I like layers. I like to do layers with layers. acoustic. Mm-hmm. I like acoustic layers. I like to do everything. It shows, in my mind, the versatility of a guitar. I totally agree. I like to put, I play the bass mm-hmm. on the guitar. I tune way below pitch, and I play bass lines. And people say, who's the bass player? I'm like, no, that's just the guitar toned, tuned way below pitch. And then one of the things that started the percussion was what I'm calling guitar bongos, which I came up with, which was my hand just, I, I did a track, a rhythm track with my hand just right. playing thumping on the guitar. And then over that, I played these other, you know, the oatmeal box, yeah. and the plastic storage tubs. I had them all there after that, and I was just experimenting. <laughs> I wish you guys had pictures of that, though. I wish you would have taken there pictures. There is a video. Oh, it's is on there? Facebook. Okay. Okay. And, I, and I'm doing the, you know, I'm showing what I did. In the room, in the very place I so recorded So you could it. actually have an oatmeal sponsor for the next tour. I thought about that. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm always thinking about stuff like that, believe me. I think you that's know. awesome. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'll, I'll spare you that story. No, I, I, I think took, it's great. I flew the Concorde once. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I flew to and from. I flew British Airways on the yeah. way there, and I flew back from France. Wow. So the French line on the way back. And I sat next to amazing people. I sat next to the, uh, well... One of the, the the biggest food chain in the world, the president of that biggest food chain in the world, was sitting next to me, gave me his book, you know, and and we we're still friends. Wow. Yeah. So that was like an amazing flight. So that but could well, be. How does that relate? That could to, be. That could be yeah. the oatmeal sponsor then for the. Oh, I, I, yeah, yeah, and and I I <laughs> had an idea talking to him. I said, when we're on the road with a band, you know, we do stop at your place, and right. the band comes out and they use the salad bar. Yeah. And I suggested a. Uh, an ad, you know, a TV yeah. ad that we could have done, but we, we never figured it out. Oh, my goodness. Well, you know, and idea. I want to bring up also on this album um, that just released this week is that you played all the instrumentation on it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I like yeah, to I mean, layer you, things. But you played all, I mean, but you, you know, I just want to make sure that our mm-hmm. listeners know that it's not like you brought in a session band and all this kind of stuff, that you you did it. <laughs> Years ago, I did record several times with with fabulous bands and you know it's a big investment in a production and Certainly. everybody knows that and you've had a number of guests on your albums in the past too yeah stevie, like, stevie wonder right stevie wonder eric mark bibb no- eric bibb mark not mark knopfler eric mm-hmm. and eric and marie and i made a record together called sisters and brothers right yeah uh but i've had stevie wonder actually play on my record god bless his heart yeah i, I love those pictures of you that. and stevie it's like oh my goodness it was a miracle <laughs> I, we're, 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 I was going to say something else about, oh, the percussion, which is that after I recorded those oatmeal boxes, et cetera, right. Rob said, give me, some, give me a minute. He said, give me a minute, because I was listening to it. It was like, yeah, it was cool, but it sounded a little hollow. It sounded mm-hmm. like, you know, a, a plastic storage tub <laughs> you know, with, a, with a salad <laughs> server. So I left the room. I said, okay, because I know when he gets onto something mm-hmm. with audio, that he's going to come up with something amazing. He well, gets and he amazing said, sounds. He, he's incredible, and he said he had a lot of fun mixing those sounds. Yeah, so I left the room, and when he was ready, it sounded like the most amazing drum kit. Yeah. The most amazing. It sounded like bongos. It sounded like a bass drum. Mm-hmm. And what I said in the liner notes is he did not trigger a sound, and, and most people know about that right. nowadays at record. I mean, you can take a, a, uh, you know, a hit, and mm-hmm. you can have it, a sampled sound play right. instead of the original sound. Exactly. And you can gate it and you can push it around. And mm-hmm. we didn't do that. He came up with natural EQ and man, he turned it into the best sounding percussion 
unbelievable. Well, and I and I think when you listen to it, and we're going to be playing a track here in a moment, is it, it has a very organic sound to it. And like you said, you with the layering, that. you know, and that's why you know that's you why. Want I, that. Yeah, yeah. I want. I'm looking now to be completely organic. Mm-hmm. I have, but it has that feel. You know, when I listen to it, I. I it is very much like you're in a like I'm sitting across from you right now mm-hmm. in a live room listening to you play it. That's what we want, mm-hmm. and that's what that's what we're doing, and that's what we're keeping. Right. In other words, we're not changing it. In years past, we would try to like when the project was done, we would try to like add the frequencies that are you hear on the radio, like mm-hmm. certain high frequencies and right. sort of a, a, a polished sound, mm-hmm. you know, polished sound. And then we just gave up on it. We always Rob points out to me, we always went back to our working studio mixes for the final mixes. And it was always me saying, because Rob would say, okay, now I'm going to mix. I'm like, came back and like, that's not as good as what we had before. And yeah, but you got to do this and this. You know, it's like the formula you have. And I'm going, no, but this one's better. This one's more exciting. This well, one and, has more. And to more, me, I like it. he would agree. He I would like say, it a little right. more raw. You know, just it's like the raw. old, the, uh, the old yeah. Lomax recordings, you right. know, of so many of the blues uh, greats, those were raw. You know, but I, but I also feel that it preserves the integrity of the music better. Well, let me give you an example of a nice email that I got from lovely fans. And one guy said, thanks for keeping it real. Wow. And I thought that was such a nice thing to say with so few mm-hmm. words. I really felt felt good about that. Totally. Comment. Well, we're going to take uh, we're going to take a listen right now to a cut off of Keeping It Out of Trouble and this is track number 1 from Rory Block's new album. Let's take a listen. Thanks for tuning in to Acme Radio Gear Gab. To listen to this song and the full show playlist, head to acmeradiolive.com and check out the Gear Gab page under archives. Sometimes you've had a rough week. Start your weekend off early every Thursday with drink specials provided by Acme Radio Live. Join us every Thursday from 4 to 7 on the second floor of Acme Feed and Seed for the Acme Radio Live Happy Hour. Acme Radio Live DJs will be setting the mood with some vibey tunes while you enjoy a $7 domestic beer and a shot. All you have to do is subscribe to our YouTube channel. By subscribing to the Acme Radio Live YouTube channel, you have incredible content at your fingertips and a beer and a shot in your belly. Yay, beer! So subscribe today and join us every Thursday from 4 to 7 on Acme's second floor for a much-needed happy hour. Welcome back to Acme Radio Gear Gab. That is Rory Block with Keeping Out of Trouble off her new album, Keeping Out of Trouble, that just released this week. And uh, love that track. Thank you. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, and... And the oatmeal box did add a good percussion feel underneath your voice and guitar playing. No, on that one, there it, we're, with the oatmeal box, we're mostly talking fixing to die and and parchment farm to really hear the fullness of. So that, that was more of a kit. salad tongue. That was the conga, the guitar oh, okay. bongos see? on that one. See, yeah. see, so you can give us this exact information, so yeah. we know. Oh yeah, <laughs> but it yeah, sounds absolutely. great. I mean, I just I, I love that song. It's so yeah, nice, and you know, uh, you and I were talking earlier. And, and with your mentor series, uh, which this is the sixth album in that, correct? Mm-hmm, that's right. And, and it, I think what is so great is that you're not just doing songs of those artists. Mm-hmm. You know, as you mentioned in the liner notes, you're actually going in and kind of doing your own interpretations mm-hmm. and maybe even songs about that artist. Like we mm-hmm. were talking about the B.B. King tie-in. Right. Yeah, there's a verse that, uh, well, I told you I called up a friend mm-hmm. and I who knew Booker much better right and i you know i only even though him. you had met him i met him but this friend knew him and i asked him tell me about Booker, because i'm doing this record and i want to be able to like incorporate a little bit of rea- real real essence you mm-hmm. know the essence of Booker. and he told me these amazing stories and so i incorporated them into that song keeping out of trouble 
because I felt like someone's got to just you just sort of roll with that right. roll with those the lore it's not mm-hmm. it's not like word for word accurate no. historically but it's got the right mood mm-hmm. it you know, does it, i feel like you know the tough stuff that he went through oh my gosh you know there was a lot of tough stuff in those right. days that was being sung about somehow's mm-hmm. too you oh, know and, definitely and so i feel like i tried to roll it in and i would start recording a book of song more than any of the other in the mentor series the groove would just start a, a new song. Right. The groove would be like, oh, this groove, book is groove. Because <laughs> his groove, and Fred McDowell, too. Mm, Fred oh, my McDowell, goodness. Yes. You know, just uh, what he could do. You said that you wanted to ask about the slide, and we'll talk about that, too. But what he could do with a little tiny piece of metal on the end of his finger, uh-huh. he ended on one knuckle right. when I met him. It was, like, phenomenal. And it, and it was calling out for the, for the evolution to go to drums. Right. And it was calling out for that. With Booker, there was something similar where his grooves were so great and so mm-hmm. deep. And when I would start recording them, it would really make me start like words would start coming into my head immediately. And right. I'm like, wait a minute, this is supposed to be this and such song. And I go, yeah, but I just have to digress for a minute. Yeah, it took That's you in a, a new area. That's what happened. You know, and, and I remember seeing a picture of B.B. Uh, King holding one of his, uh, one of uh, Booker's um, oh. uh, resonator guitars. Mm. You know, and, mm-hmm. and truthfully, even as you know, Without him already being established in Memphis mm-hmm. and and BB having a place to stay, mm-hmm. that probably wouldn't have happened either. Then, right? You know, right, and so yeah. all these things fed off each other because Amazing. when you know coming out of out mm-hmm. you know off the plantation, that's where he would stay mm-hmm. when he was first trying to make it. You know, in Memphis, right? Well, here's an example of like it's based on 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 a connection and reality, but it's just spun in a. Uh, in, a, in, in an artistic way, perhaps, right. to honor the feeling mm-hmm. where the verse that says, now, Booker, this is B.B., Cousin B.B. calling, you know. <laughs> and I love that. Yeah, you did, and he says, you know, God is a blues fan. Those, those things just came <laughs> right. up while right. I was like in this head state of mm-hmm. Booker and B.B. Yeah. having this and conversation. And B.B. Yeah. saying, you know, God is a blues fan. He uh-huh. got traveling preachers and gospel singers to write the music for the angel band right. those are the words of that that verse yeah and i just felt like it just kind of wanted to be written it writ- it wrote itself you can tell it and it and yeah and a lot of your music you know and and through the the mentor series kind of has kind of a spiritual feel to it also very spiritual because and and i like that well what i tell people is you you, you need to know that the gos- that the blues singers that the blues singers were raised in churches. Right. Talk about late 1800s. Mississippi John Hurt was born in the late 1800s. Mm-hmm. When you're born in 1800, 1910, 1920, you're going to be raised in a church. Definitely. Everybody was raised in and church. And that's where you're going to have so the first was, experiences to music. There was going to be great gospel singing in the past for each one of these blues, these blues masters who created blues. They're going to be singing with that same spirit. Mm-hmm. Right. And that is exactly what I always felt about early blues. It had this anointed spirituality Very to much it that so. was just so. Maybe that's why I just when I heard it, I went, "This is it." This yeah, is the well, deepest you, and music. you integrate it into yours. I you know? I feel like that that just sort of happens naturally. Mm-hmm. I it, really do. I feel it like it happens it. naturally. Well, now speaking of uh, you know acoustic guitars and and as you were traveling across the country as a teenager and you guys were finding. You know, cheap and broken Martin guitars. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, in in two thousand four, Martin actually created your signature model, which they is the OM forty. Yeah, that was one of those landmarks for me. That one one of them was playing with Stevie Wonder on my record, and another one was 
having Martin call me up and say, by the way, we'd like to make a signature model guitar for you. And I'm like, oh, my God. Well, you know, it, it is so incredible. Yeah. And I told you the story earlier to where, you know, I, I got to play number four. And, uh, and, you know, and so mm -hmm. and, and when it came out of the box, of course, you know, the smell of the mm -hmm. new Martin case and the smell of the new guitar, the, the lacquer, varnish, the varnish. The polish, and, you know, it's just like, yeah. oh, yeah, yeah. And so, uh, you know, and it played and sounded so incredible. But mm -hmm. I mean, it's really besides sounding great, obviously, and being set to how you play. It's a breathtaking guitar. Tell us a little bit about like the fretboard work and everything. Well, first I want to say, because you said, are you going to do another signature model? And right. I said, I did bring it up to them because there is some interest in that. So if Dick Bulk is listening. Dick, there's a call for another signature yeah. model guitar out of Nashville. We'll, we'll have to it's make time. sure that he hears this interview. Yeah, right. Make sure. <laughs> Hi, Dick. How, I wonder where he is. Um, he's such a sweetheart. We were talking about how great he is. Artists love that man. He, he's, he's gifted in so many so areas. so much for you know, so many people. It's incredible, you know, and, yeah. and with the artwork he's done with Martin and now being the head of the Martin Museum. He yeah. actually came here a few months back mm. and set up a display uh, in the Grand Ole Opry. Wow. For Martin guitars, and yeah. so, uh, but anyway, let's get back to uh, the, talking about the uh, the fretboard, and and how you laid in all these different. Well, we were Dick Bolk and and Rob and I were eating dinner in a restaurant in uh, Nazareth, I guess, right near right. the the factory, Martin factory, and we just came up with these ideas. We were drawing on dinner napkins. <laughs> we we pulled out these pens, and we were like, "Well, what do you think?" So the neck of the guitar, we came. It was my idea. Oh, here comes Rob. Come on in. We came up with the idea to make the neck a a, a blacktop highway. Okay, wow. that, that this is the natural sound of Rob walking in yeah. from the other side of the yeah, building. Exactly. A little bit of music when he opened yeah. the door. It's the oatmeal box. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> hi, sweetie. You can sit down over there. There's your chair. Um, yeah. So uh, we we did. I decided that the neck would be a blacktop highway. Right. Because that's a bluesy theme. Definitely. It's a blacktop highway. So Dick designed like the passing and no passing zone in Mother of Pearl. Right. Then we put highway signs like yield and stop sign and railroad crossing sign. Oh, you're talking about my design. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and then we put a uh, crossroads. The tracks are going across the neck. Right. For the crossroad. Right. And that's at the 12th threat. And a car at the top. Yeah, it's mm -hmm. at the 12th. And then, the, then there's a car, which we thought, well, we'll call this the terraplane. Yeah, which is perfect. So there you, do, there you have it. And we made extra strong bracing so that people could thump it because right. that's what I do. Yeah, very, you know. very percussive plane. Right. But it sounds great. I mean, it's just, you know, the... It, and it's beautiful. It's just a beautiful guitar. Like, you know, seeing you play it today and everything, it's like, you know, the the fretboard and, and the the aged finish on the top and everything. It's just, it's an incredible instrument. I love it dearly. And I that's why I asked dearly. you, because I didn't realize it had already been 2004 since that came out originally. I don't even know. I know so we went to the, ago. the NAMM show, and I think it was in Memphis when they released it. Yeah. And, and we were there, and I was like, I was, I was like, boiling hot i was so i mean meaning like i felt like i got a fever i was so happy <laughs> yeah i was so I mean, not happy. a lot of artists get a signature model especially no, by martin it, that i couldn't believe that i had lived long enough to have <laughs> that happen to me it was right. like a landmark of, of great beauty and i was like i felt like my cheeks were all blushed out and i and i i'm from just 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 on fire you know and i walked in there slow like i can't believe this it's so good i can't believe it i can't believe it's happening to me and I just stood there, just overcome with wow. with joy. Yeah, that's how much it meant. It means to me, and still does. Well, you know, and we're gonna take and listen to another one of your songs off of uh, "Keeping It Out of Trouble," your new album. And uh, this next song is uh, "Fixin' to Die." Mm -hmm. And uh, we're gonna spin that right now on Acme Radio Gear Gab. Mm -hmm. 
Thanks for tuning in to Acme Radio Gear Gab. To listen to this song and the full show playlist, head to acmeradiolive.com and check out the Gear Gab page under archives. Acme Radio Live strives to showcase authentic Music City. We don't just do that through all the hot tracks we play on our station, but we do it with our content. Not only do we deliver the best music from local and touring acts all day, every day, but we also create content for these artists that live on the Acme Radio Live YouTube page. Head to YouTube and search Acme Radio Live for all the videos of your favorite artists. And while you're at it, click subscribe so you can stay up to date with the most authentic content you've seen in Music City. To listen live, visit acmeradiolive.com. Welcome back to Acme Radio Gear Gab. That was Fixin' to Die Blues by Rory Block off her brand new album that just released this week, Keepin' Out of Trouble, which we should all try and do, right? We should, we should. Now that song felt like it had some oatmeal to it to me. Am I right? Okay. It had the oatmeal box percussion thing happening. (laughs) And the You're gonna have to write a song just on oatmeal blues. I'll I'll keep that in I'll keep that in the queue. I'll keep it in the queue. Now let's talk about this. You know, before uh, before we listen to your song, I I love that song. It's just, you know, there's so many interesting textures in that song that you do. Um let's talk about your slide. So, Mm -hmm. you know, you kinda got a specialized slide that you use. Yes, it at well let me go back and say that in the 60s when I first heard Robert Johnson, I just couldn't believe that he was using a slide because it was so clean right. and so perfect and mm-hmm. so agile. Mm-hmm. And I had heard people playing slide and I thought it sounded much different. It, did, it just didn't have that agility thing and right. that tightness that mm-hmm. Robert Johnson did. But then I let it go. I played it with my bare hands. I, I didn't use a slide. And, and Stefan had a slide. Stefan Grossman had a slide. Mm-hmm. He had a big hand and he was able to break a wine bottle and sand it down. Mm-hmm. And John Hammond, the same. Every, oh, yeah. All my guy friends were able to sand down a bottle mm-hmm. from a wine bottle, thus bottleneck. And nothing ever fit my hand. Everything was huge. Right. And so I just gave up after a while. But then years later, first of all, people started bringing custom-made slides because they heard that I couldn't find one to fit mm-hmm. me. So I have this well, wonderful collection hands. of blown glass and beautiful porcelain. <clears throat> pardon me. But eventually, I, I, I couldn't really lock in with any of those. And then John Hammond said, go out and get yourself a socket wrench. They come in all sizes. Wow. So I have a friend who owns a gas station up in Albany, New York. And he let me go through the drawers. You know, those big, beautiful red yeah. tool drawers on oh, wheels. Yeah. I mean, you got to know somebody really well oh, yeah. for them to let you open That's the drawer. That's important stuff. That's like yeah. grabbing somebody's guitar. It's like, you better ask. That's right. <laughs> so he said, go ahead and, and try them on. So I found one that fit. And I like to do it from the knuckle bent bent knuckle down on the third finger right some people you know it's a zen thing because you can put it over any given finger you can cover your entire finger part of your finger the tip of your finger Mm -hmm. whatever you want to do it's it's what's right for each individual person so i found myself using the fourth finger i guess this is called or is that the counted from the thumb the fourth finger the ring your ring finger ring finger and bending at the knuckle and i and i began to think after I started working on it, I thought, why do I do it like this? And I remembered Fred McDowell did it like ah. that. And there I was, you know, with Fred McDowell. Certainly. Sitting, playing music with him and, and looking at him. And he had just the last knuckle covered. Mm-hmm. He had this tiny piece of metal. And the music that he could make with that inch of metal right. was just astounding. Well, and also it still allows you to fret behind it and then you still got some skin on your other strings too as you're working things around and, and you and you true. you play yeah. very percussive yes i do you know and, yeah. and you usually use a a capo also a lot so, of times because that's where my voice plays out what key are you usually key. playing in then well either open g open d 
and always capoed on the second fret, almost okay. always, because that's where my voice is comfortable. That mm-hmm. just coincidental, or regular or drop D. Right. Those are my. And then when I write music, all bets are off. I just <laughs> I just ter- turn the dials. You know, yeah. I just turn them, and I go whoa whoa. And I a lot of times go way below pitch, way below pitch. Because I love that, like it's a mysterious sound, mm-hmm. and then people say, "Who's the bass player?" But if you yeah. go deep enough, it's just it's like an, a whole other dimension of an acoustic guitar. But right. you have to play carefully, otherwise, it's all buzzing. Right. Well, and for yeah. all the gear nerds too, we were talking while we were listening to your song a little while ago that you uh, use only Martin strings on your Martin guitars. Right. Martin mediums. Martin mediums, mm-hmm. and then uh, you know, obviously, I've seen you play, and and you you play fingerstyle a lot, you know, right. and and but you yeah. also said sometimes you use a pick. Sometimes when I'm doing country music, right, old time, you use like a flat pick. Yeah, yeah, and uh, just any old pick will do as long as it's fairly soft. I like the soft ones. I'm not, the, you know, some people have to have a. It's like hard as a quarter. Right, right. Hard as a hard as a piece of metal, and they they play beautifully with it. But I have to have something that's really it's very giving. You know, maybe even soft. Some would, flex. Yeah, I like the flex. Uh, but I wanted to say more about the slide, which is that when I first started playing. It, could, it sounded really bad. I could not lock into it. Right. And it sounded, I, it was very stiff and very fast and tense sounding. Mm-hmm. And then I would get to the note and I would go too far or too short and it would either be flat or sharp and the vibrato was very stiff sounding right. and it just wasn't locking in. And I uh-huh. thought, how the heck does this work? <laughs> and I got very discouraged. Then Bonnie Raitt recorded on one of my tracks. Yeah. And uh, Confessions of a Blues Singer going oh, yeah. way back through history. And she played... This beautiful solo for Ramblin' on My Mind, which mm-hmm. I recorded again years later. And we, when we were mixing her slide in the studio, we soloed her in the speakers, as we do when and anybody does when they're getting sounds. Right. We isolate each instrument. And, we, and I heard something with that listen that taught me how to go to the next step. It was the key that unlocked the door. Wow. What it was is she was going nice and easy. Nice and easy. It was mm-hmm. like taking a stroll. Mm-hmm. And she would go up the neck really nice and easy. And I was going, oh, I'm doing it all wrong. I'm doing it tense. I'm doing right. it, you know, stiff and, and, and nervous sounding. It was that eye-opening moment. But it's moment. relaxed. Mm-hmm. And then she would get to the fret where she wanted to go. And she would rock around in this funky, easy, mm-hmm. you know, really, really poignant way. And I'm like, oh, I'm trying to do this <laughs> stiff vibrato. It's right. not happening. It's relaxed. It's funky. It's yeah. it's mellow. You're taking a stroll. Yeah, and then you you ingrain and that in I, your style. And then I tried applying that, and then that's when I began to get to where I could start working right. on it. Right. And then I wrote a chapter in my book called Bonnie's Rock and Slide, and of course I sent it to her. Yeah. And she gave permission, but she said that she she had no idea that she had inspired me that way. Truly, she was her and Rye Cooter. Yes, oh, definitely. probably the most poignant slide players I've ever heard. I totally agree. Yeah. And yeah. both when I heard Ry Cooter, I just went, oh, oh, that is gorgeous. But when I heard <laughs> Bonnie in the in the speakers, I went, that's information that I, that I think I, I, can, yeah. I can take that information. You can integrate. And, and yeah, I can roll with that information. Well, now we're going to we're so going to roll with another one of your tracks right now. This is a uh, parchment farm, parchment farm, excuse me, off keeping it out of trouble. Rory Block and you are listening to Acme Radio Gear Gab. Thanks for tuning in to Acme Radio Gear Gab. To listen to this song and the full show playlist, head to acmeradiolive.com and check out the Gear Gab page under archives. 
To us, coffee isn't just a beverage, it's a community. It's an accumulation of the global network of fair trade farmers to the independently owned coffee shops working together to bring the freshest coffee to their local neighborhoods. I'm Nate. And I'm Jimmy. And we're roasters and baristas of one of Nashville's finest coffee shops, Ethan Roast. On Coffee and the Podcast, we'll dive deep into coffee trends, the craft culture of brewing, and answer all your questions about how these coffee communities impact your daily lives. So tune in to listen live every Wednesday morning at 10 a.m. via acmeradiolive.com. The show is also available on all podcast platforms. That is incredible. That is Rory Block, Keeping Out of Trouble. And that song that we were just listening to was uh, Parchment Farm Blues, which, uh, uh, what an excellent song. A deep song. Yeah, I love that. It's, it definitely it definitely gets you. And, uh, you know, like we said also, it's like I've been listening to the album so much, and uh, it's just a lot of fun. There's a lot of, you know, you, just the tracks and the way you approached it and everything and, and the mix and everything. It's, it's, uh, it's a fun listen. It's a live listen, I think. Thank you. But I want to say that when I say it's a deep song, I mean Booker mm-hmm. singing it. I oh, yeah. I'm not talking about myself. No, 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 no. No, I'm, I'm talking about, like, I always tell people, go back and listen to the original artist. Right. If you really want, you know, a spirit experience. Well, you know, like we were talking earlier in the show even, that's really your goal with the whole Mentor series. You is know, to keep is those names to keep in, them alive in and, national consciousness. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. I want to ask you this, is that now that you've, you know, you've done the Mentor series and, and based it off of, artists you know the six artists that you you've met and mm-hmm. had been around mm-hmm. uh in your teen years what's going to be next well i i'm not revealing yet but i was thinking to uh to start a mentor series too because this i call the mentor series and mm-hmm. in the, probably in a year from now it will be released again in a box it'll be a box set called right. the mentor series right so i'm going to i haven't actually talked to the record company yet but i our working relationship is really good, this yeah. record company. And it, I seems really, it. it seems like they take good care yeah, of you. And they're so uh, patient with us. So you know, and if you time it right, long to make the if, you, if you timed it right, yeah. even, you could come out with the uh, updated signature series guitar, and you could update your book because your book came out six years ago. Well, it's like a, it'd be like a cornucopia. How of, about we make another call out to Dick Folk? <laughs> I'm gonna have to call him. I'm gonna have to you we know, make with, another call with, out to Martin Guitars. Yeah, I'm gonna reach hey, out to him. Hey, you've got to do this now because yeah. we've pre-announced we, the We announced date. it in Nashville, so <laughs> <Yeah>. no pressure. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but, uh, but and, I, but and I think by that's Holger, great. Holger Peterson is is uh, the the owner of um, St- Stony Plain Records. So like he too, we're giving him a call out too. Definitely, that they have to synchronize this. Yeah. So the next mentor, oh, the, the release of the box set and right. the release of another signature, that would be the coolest thing. Oh my goodness. Oh wow, but um, so the next project, mentor series two, mm-hmm. a different a different theme, but and, and all I say now, all I'll say now because it's only in the idea phase and I haven't talked to Holger about it, is that I think I might want to do something that had a feminine leaning to it i think that's a great idea yeah I because think because i don't do think that. that's been done either well there have been actually many you know, maria maldor does excellent tributes to like uh female artists right. and but i mean and like in a names. series, I'm, in a series I'm, yeah that's yeah, what i'm I, saying yeah. is is to where you know you actually yeah. choose an artist and 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 like we were talking my earlier favorites. on the show oh. your favorites yeah. and but doing your interpretations mm. i think you know? i i think i like that idea but i don't mm-hmm. yet know so it's kind of you know it's kind of like revealing just something that is in the dream phase right you know no and and, and that's, I think I'll that's, do it. that's part of the artistry you I know speaking so. of which you know uh you uh just played here in nashville last night and now where can people you know obviously our listeners and everything um where can they find out about your tours where can they buy your album the book everything 
Well, it's all, you know, websites, RoryBlock.com and Facebook. And, and I'm not a social media person, but because Rob maintains it and puts something mm -hmm. up new from time to time. But I'm not really, I've never tweeted myself personally. Right. I, there was a publicist once who sent out a couple of tweets and I, <laughs> I just didn't quite know <laughs> what to do with it. Yeah. You know, so I'm just, I'm square, you know, I'm well, it's another. It's another reason to keep Rob around. That's right. But I'm old fashioned. <laughs> I, I just don't resonate with some things as much as others. I resonate right. with wonderful old things mm -hmm. that, you know, like acoustic instruments and great old music, country music, right. blues music. It's all Do powerful. you still do you still listen to your old albums like I know in in your your home uh when you were younger, you know, you guys were listening to the albums and everything as I've read. Do you still listen to the albums or are you more into the digital age with the We don't you know? even actually have a turntable or if there is one it's it's not plugged in it's somewhere. So no, I, I I don't you know I I'm listening to early blues a lot of the time. Right. And I also listen to classical music. Believe it or not, I really uh, it's very it's very uh, celestial. Right. You know, and it's very beautiful, and you can think freely when there's classical music on in the background. It's not it doesn't demand your attention as much as give you gives you energy. So I right. like that too. But um, you know, we're really all we're making music so much of the time. I've sort of. I listen. I go back and I listen deeply to the pro to the artists that I'm going to tribute. Mm -hmm. That's really a good experience. Oh, totally. Listening again and going, and then I hear things. It's just so great. The players are so great. I I don't think I could say enough. Country and blues. Mm -hmm. And we were talking before that the country music was called old timey. Right. Right. T i m e y. Yeah. Old just like your dad called it. You know? Yeah. And they called it that. Mm -hmm. You know, we knew, um, you know, Clarence Ashley came through the city and Tex Isley. Right. And these great, great country players. And then we went down to Union Grove, North Carolina Fiddlers Convention. There was Doc and Merle and, oh, and met goodness. them. That's when right. I met Doc and Merle. And there was a guy named Clint Howard. Yeah. And, and they were just singing for the joy of singing and i like to say that to people too we can't let that right. disappear we just can't like forget you that yeah and it shows in your music well you know and also i want to make mention we want to thank ik multimedia for being our sponsor of the acme radio gear gab and so we get to give a little gift to rory today the irig acoustic but uh you know it's, it's just mm. such a pleasure to have you on the show thank you and and to talk about your your brand new album that just released this week keeping out of trouble uh, Rory Block and 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 a tribute to uh, Bucka White and uh, and part you know the final chapter in your mentor series in this particular one right. now Until I hope the, it's version one or or uh, one mentor series one and then maybe and mentor now, series now two the next level looking to the future right mm -hmm. which you always are I mean, it's so great to have you on and and once again uh, so appreciate you continue to keep this music alive that might otherwise be forgotten. Thank you. And uh, be sure and uh, pick up a copy of Keeping Out of Trouble. And uh, hopefully you will if you buy Rory Block's brand new album. Thanks again for listening to Acme Radio Gear Gab on acmeradiolive.com. We hope you enjoyed Acme Radio Gear Gab, hosted by Eric Dahl. Thanks to our artists on today's show and our sponsor, IK Multimedia, Musicians First. Past episodes are on demand on all podcast platforms and acmeradiolive.com. 